Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back the CBS Sports Island College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Please also do that while you're here, okay? Let's get into it. The 2023 NBA Draft is now less than two weeks away, and we've already discussed a lot of the top prospects and episodes of this podcast Victor Wimbanyama, Scoot Henderson, and Brandon Miller, uh, Thompson Twins, Jarris Walker. We've touched on all of them. Today, uh, we're going to focus on three players, three league guard prospects who could reasonably go in any order on June 22nd. Jalen Hood Shafino from Indiana, Anthony Black from Arkansas, Kaysom Wallace from Kentucky. I've got those three players going 8th, 9th, and 18th in my latest mock draft that you can find over at cbssports.com, and I have them in this order. Jalen Huchifino, 8th, Anthony Black, ninth, Cason Wallace, 18th. But again, those three league guard prospects could uh, reasonably come off the board in any order, evidence being that Cal Boone has that order reversed completely. He has it, Cason Wallace, 11th, Anthony Black, 12th, Jalen Huchifino, 15th. David Cobb has it, Anthony Black, 9th, Jalen Huchifino, 14th, Cason Wallace, 15th. And then Adam Finkelstein has it. Anthony Black, 8th. Kaysom Wallace, ninth, Jalen Huchifino, 15th. I just referenced the four different mock drafts posted right now at CBSSports.com. When it comes to those three prospects, I prefer Jalen Huchifino above the others. David and Allen prefer Anthony Black over the others. Strongjaw prefers Kaysom Wallace over the others. How would Deadleg rank these point guard prospects? I'm going to ask him next, but first, got to do some business. It's a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount+. Plus. All right, dead leg. Case right. Wallace, Anthony Black, Jalen Huchifino. Put them in your preferred order. I am going to go on record 13 days out from the draft and say there is no chance Case and Wallace will be taken before Anthony Black. And that is based on uh, I just wrote a big profile on Anthony Black and uh, had talked to two people on Thursday about Case and Wallace, um, who has a chance to be one of the best guards from this draft. And I'm excited to talk about him. But at this point, Anthony Black uh, is the overwhelming expectation in talking to NBA people in his camp. He will go anywhere. He could go as high as four, which I don't think will happen, but he is going to meet with Houston at four. And it is virtually unthinkable. He drops below 10, which is where Dallas is right now. Now, the caveat to this is, I guess, maybe a trade maybe alters that. But Anthony Black's pre-draft process on top of what he did as freshman year at Arkansas um, has made him the favorite to be picked before the other two. But they are clustered together and they each have a lot of different uh, facets about them that, that make them all interesting prospects. My prediction is that it will go Anthony Black and then it will go Jalen Huchifino and then it will go Case and Wallace. And the biggest reason why I think that is, and I want to get to each of these players individually, Case and Wallace is the only one of those three that has injury concerns that have lingered from his season. You know, he missed time at Kentucky due to injuries. He had multiple injuries. Uh, his pre-draft process has apparently been a little bit skittish, which seems to have affected his draft range overall. I put, I put, how about this? I put Anthony Black in the four to ten range. I put Hood Shafino in the nine to 14 range. And I would put case Wallace in the 12 to 22 range. That's probably, I think there's a chance he might slip a little bit because of the back injuries. And because of stats like this, um, he was a good scorer last season, but he had the back injury. So case Wallace for the first 18 games at Kentucky shot 42% from three-point range, taking about five threes per game. Then he had the back injury. Over the last 14 games of his Kentucky career, that, that number dropped down to 23%, and he didn't shoot it as frequently. So I think there are some concerns about that and with injury concerns, and he's not the only one. We've got a, we've got a few guys in this draft pool here who have uh, injuries and medicals that are going to, I think, probably cause him to slip a little bit. Um, I think that's why Kaysen drops a little bit. But I've talked enough before we get into player by player. What about you and why did you change? Because you did have Anthony Black above the others, and I guess you recently made a switch on that. I remembered that I discovered Jalen Huchifino. Okay. And therefore... Um, sense of loyalty? Yes, it's a sense of loyalty. Like you just did a big profile on Anthony Black. You have a sense of loyalty. And I discovered Jalen Huchifino... I, 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 too, have a sense of loyalty. Okay. 
You wrote about Anthony Black. I did. Um, give us the highlights. All right. Um, true. I'll keep the, try and keep this short because this has to be a short podcast today. Uh, he he's got a something of a wild story in that. You know, he is a multi-sport athlete, which is not abnormal, but it is less normal these days. When you get to one and done NBA talents, there are not many in the modern era. And by modern era, I'll just say the past decade where they played at a high level in multiple sports deep into their high school career. And that is the case with Anthony Black. In fact, Anthony Black, um, I didn't tweet out the screen grab, but his mother even sent to me. He was on CBS Sports Network as an 11-year-old playing baseball. He played for soccer teams and baseball teams in his late grade school years and early middle school years that were nationally ranked, like top five ranked um, for both of us. Again, baseball and soccer. And then, you know, he lived in the greater Dallas area. He was a four-star wide receiver. There was a point. So Grant McCaslin, who knows Anthony Black's father, Terry Black, who played at Baylor, and McCaslin had the Baylor connections there as well, um, so he has known Anthony Black's family for a long time. So Anthony Black had one offer until the the summer going into his junior high school. One offer in basketball, and it was only North Texas. And in part, it's because Grant McCaslin has a good recruiting eye, obviously, and is a good coach. But it's also because he knew the family. And Grant McCaslin's son played on this in the same non-shoe company-sponsored, ragtag, small little, in, you know, a youth grassroots organization called 3D Empire. Anthony Black never played on the Nike circuit, the Adidas circuit, the Under Armour circuit, never. So he has an uncommon path in that you normally do not have a one-and-done NBA player who didn't play on a major shoe circuit, didn't play against that competition. Oh, by the way, was a four-star wide receiver recruit through his junior year. I want to say he told me he had double-digit offers in football, and I'm talking Big 12, SEC, Texas Tech, Arkansas, you know, in the American Houston, go down the road. He had the, all the schools are listening to the story while that happened. And he was being recruited at the football level. The only offer he had was North Texas in basketball. Then the pandemic hits in March when he's a sophomore, Adidas, Nike, Under Armour, they all shut down for the entire year. They don't have their circuits, nothing in the spring, nothing in the summer, nothing. But at the time, Dallas, because of this one guy that set up these tournaments, to some controversy, understandably so, but Dallas was the only area in the country that held like organized grassroots slash AAU basketball tournaments that summer. And because Anthony Black happened to live in the area, you had four-star and five-star recruits within driving distance, uh, or occasionally some teams actually, I was told, did fly in, go and play You know, a number of different other teams, Anthony Black included, and that being live streamed is what basically was Anthony Black's breakout. The great irony of this is as a freshman in high school, Anthony Black was not good enough to get off the freshman team in football, yet he was a four-star prospect. Okay, he was a football recruit. He started for varsity basketball in Texas as a freshman and could not get any traction as a recruit. A super interesting winding path uh, to this point. He had a really good freshman season at Arkansas. And in part, his Scott, I don't know if his stock was if this is totally A to AGP, but, you know, Nick Smith Jr. was the player at Arkansas who was talked about as a top 10 pick. That's not going to be the case. He's not seen as someone who's likely to go in the lottery. Now, a lot of that was because of injuries and Nick Smith Jr. missed most of his freshman season. But Anthony Black, because he is a tremendous passer, he's a top 
I mean, I think Anthony Black is easily, easily a top 10 defender in this draft. A lot of length, a lot of physicality on him. Um, plays through contact well, has a great, uh, his measurements and, and this is a lot of, some of this is from Muss, who I talked to on this. Uh, the, how his body is built, you know, literally his bone structure, his lower half, the thickness of his legs. Um, <laughs> I think Muss said, and he's just talking in basketball terms, but I couldn't help but laugh when he said it. He said, Matt, when the guys are talking, he's talking about GMs. He's like, the size of his ass and the way he uses it. It's, a, it's like a significant thing. I was like, all right, all right I, I hear you. Because he's a little slight in the chest, a little bit. Anthony Black is. Um, so uh, he needs to bulk up there. But he is uh, he's an impressive young man. The, the interviews are apparently he's passing them with flying colors, which doesn't surprise me. And uh, I talked to him for an hour for the profile. He was he was tremendous to talk to. And he's going to he's passed the interview process. He's already met with Dallas. Uh, he's going to meet with Houston. He's going to meet with Washington, I think, this weekend. And there's two others. He only has meetings with teams in the top 10. So they are fully expecting he's going to go there. There's a big old feature on him and his path there. Um, he's pretty and in, pretty intriguing. And uh, and one last thing here, and you can take it away with Anthony Black, but his mom played soccer. At, his parents are divorced and um, his dad isn't so much in his life anymore. But um his dad was a D1 player at Baylor, Terry Black. And his mom played soccer at Baylor, and she was a multi-sport athlete. And she was insistent that it's because Anthony you know, took to soccer and baseball and then football. Basketball was his fourth sport. But because he did all of these things, it was critical to his overall development and is a major reason why she thinks he's here. That being said... Ironically, the pandemic literally put him on this path. If that doesn't happen, he never plays those players. He doesn't really get seen that much. Maybe he goes and plays for North Texas. Maybe he's getting ready for a sophomore season or he didn't love football, but maybe he would have been such a good recruit. Maybe he's getting ready to start his second season playing for Mississippi State or Texas A&M at, at wide receiver. But uh, but here he is, and he's one of the coolest draft stories in this year's crop. Could have been an NIT champion. Does he regret that at all? I don't. I didn't ask him that one. Actually, it didn't. I, that's my bad. I forgot to to spring that on him. But he very well could have been an NIT champion. Let's focus a little more on those big ass of his. <laughs> I don't need to, but but must drop that out because I was talking to Must about his physicality, and, and and he's like, "Listen, Matt, I'm just telling you, the body's ready. The, the, these guys, they talk about his 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 ass, the way that he uses it. <laughs> I was just, it's like, all right, Must, I he's hear thick. you. He's thick, like <laughs> like like Mariah Mills. He's thick. Yeah. Well, I, okay. That Mariah Mills is something, isn't she? You say so. Woo-hoo-hoo. Obviously, um, listen, I'm high on him, too. I've got him going in the top 10, just like basically everybody. You had him does. six at one point, which I think is conceivable. I, I think that actually could happen. I remembered I was uh, I discovered Jalen Huchifino. Felt disrespectful. Yeah. You know, felt disrespectful. Yeah. Um, measured six foot seven. So he's the tallest of these point guard prospects. That's that yeah, that's in shoes. He's six five and three fourths without shoes on. I'm yeah. a, I'm a no shoes height guy personally. How we're born, you know, you know what I'm saying. But then again, you play in shoes. That's what you are. But not every shoe is the same size. I was actually born with shoes on. That's stop. It was true. I came out of my mother with shoes on. Okay, it's true. Yeah, you need it too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. 12.8 points, 5.1 rebounds, 3.9 assists, and 34.8 minutes per game. He was uh, really good. The issue, to the extent that there is an issue, it's not something that's going to keep him from going in the top 10, but it's, it is the type of thing that could prevent him from someday being an NBA All-Star. 
shot 30.1% from three on 2.6 attempts per game. Um, that's really a, a common thing between all three of these guys is that none of them you would call a great shooter. Um, Case and Wallace might like shot it well. I think you had the numbers earlier, right? Like yeah. shot it well for a little while, but then th- that fell off a little bit. But listen, I, I'm, I do agree with his mother. All jokes aside, I think playing um, all those sports helped him. I, I, I think front offices are attracted to that. They don't want you still doing it, but I, I, I think you said in explaining uh, the Anthony Black story, I think you said at least two things that front offices do genuinely value. Parents were athletes. Mm-hmm. That, that matters. Yeah. And he played a lot of different sports and seemed to excel in whatever he did. Um, that there are, we, we probably all grew up with somebody like that, not to the level of Anthony black, but you, you remember somebody from your childhood who was just good at everything. BJ like, Barrett. And I still know the name BJ Barrett. Yeah. Mine's Jeff. Mine's Jeff Walker. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, we, we, we played, uh, we, we played baseball together. It's and amazing he, how we remember the full names of these. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, he was cool. the best, he was the best baseball player. Right. And I played soccer. He didn't play soccer. He started playing soccer when he was like 10. And you know what he was by the time he was 12? The best soccer player. Yeah. Like I played soccer when I was five. And Jeff started playing when he was like 10. And by 12, he was the best soccer player. And what whatever, he actually went on to Mississippi State and could have played baseball. He was a punter at Mississippi State. Mm. He, uh, he could have done whatever he wanted to do. Um, you know who else is like this? Mike Conley. Like Mike, Mike Conley could, could be... Uh, a high level performer at basically anything like go play basketball with Mike Conley. He's great at it. Obviously you want to know what else go play golf with Mike Conley. Great. Yeah. Go play, go bowl with Mike Conley. Great. Like whatever. There's always guys like that. And Anthony black seems to be one of those guys. And it is something that front offices do. They, they think it, it matters in the development and they think it's a sign of good stuff. Before we move on to the other uh, two guys, agreed. And in talking to Black, he also believes it. He is obsessed with playing defense. And it's not something that I think got talked about a ton last season as Arkansas, you know, had an up and down season. Then they break through and make the second weekend before they get run off the floor by UConn, et cetera, et cetera. But he, and there's this gets detailed on the back end of the story. Um, it's like a, It's like a psychological point of pride. And it's in part because... He had a sister who's five years older. He had a couple of cousins and to hear him explain it, like they play basketball or video games or just stuff in the backyard. And he, he'd get absolutely destroyed in competition. And he lived in a very competitive household and defense. He was, he played sweeper in soccer was a great, like he was a good hitter, but he was great in the field. He only, I don't want to say only, but like he played corner and wide out at, at, you know, at the middle school level and even younger. And then going into high school, he just got too tall. And they, they had to play him at receiver. He just he he was quite clearly had a wide receiver's body. And the fact that he is that obsessed with playing defense is it's not that just that he's good at it. He's willing to embrace it. It is his identity. And that being said, like, you know, he's he's a six, six point guard with tremendous vision. Uh, oh, he also said I, I we got to talking so much about defense and how it's a point of pride. He said he's never been dunked on. And I said, listen, man. It's going to happen. He's like, he's like, I, I know at this point, it's not if, but when he said the only time it almost happened, he said he was in an eighth grade game and Arthur Kaluma almost got him. In eighth grade, <laughs> but he said he didn't get it. So he has, he has not ever yet been, uh, been dunked. on. he's like, listen, I, I know I'm going to get caught at one point here. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, fascinating player to talk to. He said the moment he knew without a doubt that he would be drafted in the NBA was when he played at Maui. And there was a ton because a lot of this, you know, every team goes to Maui, every NBA franchise and GMs and scouts go out there. And he had, he had a good showing out there. It wasn't like outstanding, but it was a good showing. And he felt like, cause he had his first three college games were not good. And then on the flight over, he told the staff, this is going to be my moment. And he's not a braggadocious person. So it was something that must uh, remembered in retrospect. And then Anthony was like, I just, I just knew it, man. We were playing big time competition. Um, yeah, man, he tested well. The shot thing is for real in terms of a lot of doubts about it. His numbers since he's trained have been extremely good, but uh, the form's a little bit wonky, and I don't know if he's ever going to be a reliable shooter, but he's going to do all the other things really, really well. Similar in some ways to Andre Jackson Jr., uh, but he knows he knows the shot thing is, is a major, is a major, major factor um, in what could impact where he gets drafted and then ultimately how long he sticks. My last thing on black before we get to the other two guys is I did talk to someone else earlier in the week who said he is going to play. Anthony Black will play in the NBA for 15 years. If As long as he doesn't have a significant injury that hampers him, he will play in the NBA for well over a decade. But 15 years is a long time. I know. And this is a person that definitely respectable knows what they're talking about. I know. But this is how this is how highly this evaluator thinks of him, Anthony Black, he said, but you know what? The one thing is he might play that long, but I don't know if he wants to be a superstar. I don't know if he really has it in him mentally to, to be that kind of all around guy. He'll last forever. He's got the athleticism. He's got the size, awesome passer, wonderful defender wants to rebound on both ends, but does he have the, uh, the internal stuff to, to be a superstar, even if not, uh, I think he will be uh, a worthwhile pick and will stick for a while. And I like him the most of the three. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost. Everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'll, I'll send it back over to you, GP, with the guy that you discovered. Jalen hood Shafino. I wouldn't put too far behind, um, but smaller than Anthony Black. He's 6'6", 6'9", wingspan. He's a good guard with good size. Um, he His shot is... Like his shooting numbers were satisfactory, but not spectacular, right? 45% from two, 33.3% from three, 77.6 from the foul line. He's not a reliable long distance threat. And I think if Hood Shafino is going to be a long-term NBA starter, that is clearly going to need to change because you combine that and we will talk about the good stuff. But to me, the thing that's going to uh, hold Hood Shafino back in terms of getting picked two, four, six spots later than he otherwise would have is the shooting, which is just good, not great. And then he is not a super athlete. Like he doesn't consistently get into the teeth of the defense. He is prone to settle at the mid range and he's got a wonderful stroke, but because he doesn't have like elite bounce and a, and big time burst and he lacks those just things that, that go, that make you, that change you from being like, Lottery pick. We liked what he was doing to like, how can you not take this guy in like the top six or seven? I think that's why he ultimately gets taken behind black. Yeah, he, you know, some lead guards will use a ball screen to get into the middle of the defense and then attack. He's more going to pull up uh, mid range, which I don't mind. 
like he's not going to have a John Morant highlight, right? But um, he he can still be extremely uh, effective in ball screens. You just he's going to score a different way. Um, the, the shooting, like you said, only shot thirty three point three percent from three on three point five attempts per game. Maybe I'm just seeing something that, that that's not there. I think he can be a better shooter than that. Um, he did shoot seventy seven point six percent from the free throw line. Um, often a quality free throw shooter is going to be able to become a more reliable three point shooter. And so 77.6% is a, is a a decent sign that maybe there's room for notable improvement. Uh, I want to be clear. I'm not saying he will ever shoot like Bradley Beal, but I do always remember that Bradley Beal shot 33.9% from three in his one season at Florida and was 76.9% from the free throw line. The, the numbers are basically the exact same as Jalen Hood Shafino's. Again, I'm not predicting it, but Bradley, B- it, I'm not even suggesting it. I'm just saying that there are examples of, of guards who didn't shoot it well in college who went on to become high-level NBA shooters, although the difference here is that Bradley Bill was labeled as a shooter before he got to Florida and then just didn't shoot the ball well at Florida. Jalen Hood Shafino has never been labeled a shooter. Either way, I think he can be better. Um He had some big games in college, not yes. consistently, but I like the idea that he showed he could go big sometimes. Like he got 33 against Northwestern. He got 35 in a win at Purdue. Um, again, he didn't do that consistently, but he showed he's capable of it, which is another good sign. Uh, great in pick and rolls. Uh, like yeah. I said, gets to the middle of the floor. A good mid-range jumper. He's a versatile defender because of his size. Um, I, I just remember watching him even before Indiana, and he had an, a, an ability to like control a game. Like he seemed like he was in charge of what was happening on the court. I, I remember him getting fi- fouled late uh, in games at Peach Jam, and people can roll their eyes at that, but those are high stakes games relative to what we're doing. Like those are high stakes games. And, you know, I remember him knocking down free throws late, like very comfortable in that moment. Tight game. He's at the free throw line. You've got to make these. And he'd step up and make them. I just I, all jokes aside about I discovered him. I'm just I'm a fan. I was a fan. But, you know, I was a fan before he got to Indiana. I was a fan of his at Indiana. I think he's got a, um, a, a really good chance to be a high level NBA player. I won't fight you if you say Anthony Black is the superior prospect there's a lot of um reasons to have that very reasonable opinion but again if i were putting them in order i would go huchfino one black two and then a little bit of a gap between those two and case and wallace i I'm a, i still like case and wallace but I, I do have a gap between those two and case and wallace a uh, couple more things on huchfino then we'll move on to case in here uh, i a lot of the stuff that you were saying there i agree with like he plays he plays like a 25-year-old in many ways. Someone who understands pacing, never gets sped up. Now, he doesn't have a, a fifth gear, which can be used against him, but he is not afraid of the big moment, man. He was one of the best Robins in college hoops last season, obviously, Trace Jackson Davis being the Batman on that team. Very good in ball screens, rated among the best in the country, in the Big Ten percentage, and then was among the best in the country as uh, nationally as a, as a freshman uh, in ball screen situations. He is... I remember a, f- a few times watching him and I got to see him in person uh, multiple times and got to talk to him multiple times this season because I went out to Indiana, caught a game, and then Indiana was uh, was at, uh, was at out in Albany where I was at for the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. But 
he is like a viper sometimes. Like he has the right amount of patience and he senses tempo on the floor, particularly offensively, and will get you with a big shot if you give him enough daylight. I mean, there were so many times in in intense moments at Indiana where he made key plays in the right place. Sometimes it was a shot. Sometimes it was the right pass. He does have really good passing ability. Um, uh, He's just a smooth player, sturdy stroke. And though there are areas of improvement, um, similar to black, he has like a good worldview going to pass the interview. He's very humble, very faith-based, um, we had a wonderful conversation during the tournament about the belief he has in himself, but also his confidence and security in, and this is just his point of view. And I completely respect it in saying that I I believe in a a higher power and God has a plan for me. So if I succeed, um, that's great. And if I, if I have struggles, like there's a reason why I'm going to go through this. Like he is so assured of himself, but not in the, not, not in in a way that is remotely cocky. A, extremely impressive player, young man, and uh, we'll be fascinated to see where he goes. Similar to Black, I think he makes a locker room better no matter where he is, and uh, and he is an intriguing one. As for Kaysen, so Kaysen's the smallest of the three. He's six two and a half without shoes, but he's got a great wingspan on that on that on that height. He's six eight and a half wingspan overall. Um, was a 43% shooter. He's 19 years old, which you know benefits him as well. He's young like the other guys. We'll turn 20 at the start of the season. But again, it's the injury things. This is just, I think those that, that's been part of it there. I think he's had a little bit of an up and down past six weeks in the pre-draft stuff. Defensively, he's the best of the three we're talking about. I There were times last season when Kentucky was something of a hard watch. I never didn't enjoy watching Cason Wallace, particularly defense. He is a top five defender in this draft. Arguably the best perimeter defender that there is in this crop. He's that good. He he cares about it a ton. And because he is just nasty on defense, on ball, understands reads, it's going to, I think, get him uh, taken in the top 20 eventually. But there are questions, not just with the injuries, but, you know, as a point guard, will he have the ability and athleticism to truly separate against really good athletes. I think questions are there. Can he create his own shot and make it consistently? He is unquestionably GP and NBA defender, but in the range he's getting talked about to be taken in. um, And again, to me, it's like it's that 12 to 20 ish range. Are we talking about case and Wallace being a long-term backup NBA point guard? How long will he start? Does he have a chance to start? Um, How will the medical read Super interesting player, really good upside. And I do think all three of the guys we are talking about here, and I don't think this is always the case, or at least how about the chances of it happening? I would be surprised personally if Hood Shafino, Black, and Kaysen Wallace all weren't in the league a minimum of eight years because I think they all have enough of the tangible stuff that projecting forward should have them sticking on a roster, even if, depending on who we're talking about, they might not be a consistent starter Wallace is intriguing. I agree with you. There is a gap right now between him, Hood Shafino, and Black. When I talk to NBA people about Case and Wallace, um, they say two things. One, um, don't overlook the the idea 
that there's a pattern, a track record of Kentucky guards being better in the NBA than they were at Kentucky. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander is a great example. Like who saw first team all NBA level guy in his one year? I mean, he was good, but he wasn't that. Not me even remotely. Yeah. Right. Um, So like, you know, um, that's not a criticism of anybody or anything. It's just something that, uh, hey, these Kentucky guards, like they can sometimes be better in the NBA than they were at at UK. And so that that's a positive. And the negative you hear is um, the injury stuff. Sure. Um, there, there, there was one game or it became a. Was it was it? It's bad. I want to say it was cramps, maybe. And it was like, yo, we. Yeah. And they were in the they were like, yeah, he cramps all the cramps all the time. I was like, what? That's not great. That's not a good sign. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond, beyond that, they do wonder about the burst. You know, it, can, can he get by people like we know we know he can prevent people from getting by him. But can he get by people? This is something we talked about, like in the middle of the season when I just sort of randomly noticed, like he doesn't go to the free throw line ever. He shot two point two yeah. free throws a game. Now, in fairness, Jalen Huchifino didn't get to the free throw line too often either. Anthony Black did. Anthony yep. Black shot like you know five point three free throws a game, um, but Casey uh, uh, Wallace was two point two. Jalen Huchifino not much better, two point four. But uh, that that would be among the concerns. Like, okay, kid, at some point, if you're really a one and done lead guard worthy of a lottery pick, like you gotta be able to get by people, and people wonder if he's gonna be able to get get by people i think all these guys go in the top 20 but i i i'd be surprised if case wallace went ahead of anthony black or jalen huchifino that that's the feedback i'm getting at least yeah i think that's uh i think that's valid intriguing uh set of set of guards here and um particularly because of what they have a lot of these guys what they have uh, i think in common and i think they're all interviewing well which lets you know that stuff does matter and we're we're coming in we're less than than two weeks out so um i i think black is a lock top 10 i wouldn't be i'd be i i would be shocked if he fell beyond 10 i i don't think he's falling beyond eight uh Huchifino just could be a factor on if anyone trades in the top 10 and then it's need and if he slipped a little bit that wouldn't surprise me and then i think ultimately case and wallace uh, you know, fit could be a could be a situation with him, but um, but that's a good note on the free throws as well, man. So, uh, less than two weeks out, we hope you are enjoying our little draft profiles. Give you a little spice, a little bit of a different kind of show here, in addition to mixing up, obviously with the with the college hoop stuff. I think we're gonna do one more of these, and then listen. I mean, I might as well tease the audience here. Um, GP and I got to talk about it offline. We'll we'll link up next week and figure out when, but. Uh, but Fasini, he's sick of not getting a word in. So I, was, I said, listen, we might, uh, we might have to mix you in here. We'll get you and Boone on the same episode or something like that. So I think we're going to get a friend of the pod, Sam Fasini, uh, on at some point before the draft to, uh, to talk stuff as well. He does as much research and is clued in literally as much as anyone in the media. So uh, a few more draft episodes coming before everything uh, wraps up on June 22 in New York City. I have jury duty next week. Oh, okay. So it's unclear when I'll be available again. All right. I just I, bring first, it. I've you never know had, we're about to take this podcast to the next level. I've never had jury duty before. This will be my first time. Really? Yeah. Now hold on. You've been you've been called in like to I go. Have never oh, been called yes, in. You've never done this. Oh, I've okay. never done this. Um 
Okay. Well, you might just show up, wait for an hour and a half, and they send you home. I've had yeah. to do this like at least four times. How have you dot? How have you dodged this? Yeah, I've just never. I, I, in fact, I, we talked I about it on the radio at some point last year because my producer had jury duty, and I was like, first off, I think I'd be an excellent juror. I think I'd be great at it. You're the rural juror. I would be. I would be. What do they call the the head juror? The foreman. The foreman? Yeah. I think I would be the foreman. Yeah. I would establish myself very That's early on as the fo- yeah. as the foreman, and I think I'd be great at it. But I never got invited. They never want me. But now I've been invited. I feel like I'm going to a party you're on Monday ex- you're morning. Excited, huh? I am a little excited. I'm prepared to be let down because nine out of ten times they're like, "We don't need you. Go home. You'll get another something in the mail in two years." So, all right. So, uh, if I don't have, if I'm not, if I'm not, if I'm not serving on a jury all day every day next week, I'll be here. All right. But who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Anthony Black's got a great ass, huh? He does. How about that? I never know. Great ass. He's got a great ass. <laughs> you got your head You haven't read the story, Nana. Please, let's link it in the description and uh, appreciate it. All right, let's go. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester. South Carolina. Shouts to Hug. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for watching, listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. Zion's us. It's been made perfectly clear this week. Zion's us. That's right. There ain't never been. He's about as much of a us as you can be, I think. He's getting it, boy. Zion's living life. Rate it. Review it. Thank you in advance. We'll talk to you again real soon. Until then, take care.